owning the end outcome and owning all of the responsibility is the most important trait of a leader. If you're a leader, you raise your hand and you say, okay, I'm the leader. I'm the one to follow. I'm, you know, I'll take the responsibility because once you decide you're the leader and you raise your hand, now it's everything's your fault. Everybody below you is your fault. The good, the bad, the outcome is yours and yours alone. For the cause, we fight for the cause. A circle of winners, a circle of winners. We're business outlaws, we're business outlaws. You know that we win it. We fight for the cause, a circle of winners. We're business outlaws, we're business outlaws. Hey guys, welcome to Business Outlaws. I'm Jamie Foxx here with Chris Collins and Big Mike. Yep. And we are letting you guys be a fly on the wall. We're here at an undisclosed location, downtown Los Angeles. And I'm here with Big Mike, the owner and founder of Advanced Nutrients. Hello. And I'm here with Chris Collins, founder of Syndicate X. Syndicate X. I want to say it different every time. Syndicate X. And uh, real quick, right off the top, Big Mike, owner of Advanced Nutrients, smokes weed. Yeah. Marijuana Don. We have a bud tender here. And I we need the bud tender. Come on, bud tender. Come on, and, screwy uh, Louie. We got Chris but Collins. Here's the deal. I, I want you to switch out to the, to the nectarine. All right? All right. Thanks. Today, we will be talking about oh, wait. leadership and the qualities of great leaders and how to create momentum in your business. I great leaders about you. smoke weed. What I said, I said I was going to do the bud tender for him, and then we have Chris Collins, cigar connoisseur and tequila drinker. We have a bartender, beautiful bartender, Cody. My goal on this the show, only podcast with a bud tender and a bartender. This is yeah. my goal. My goal on this show mm-hmm. is to get Chris to stop or at least decline drinking his tequila and smoking more weed. You're you trying too, to ruin Jamie? the economy in Mexico? No. But no, weed no, makes no. me makes my brain. I, I don't want to see you guys kill your brain cells anymore. I want you I don't to smoke. have a healthy brain. I don't smoke. I don't You're drink that much. He's doing the opposite. He's saying that tequila kills your brain cells. Absolutely. He's doing a whoop whoop whoop. But this is apple juice. There's no alcohol. Mike, tell oh, us the scientific facts about tequila killing your brain cells. Well, how's alcohol? Terpenes. <laughs> are there terpenes in tequila? <laughs> Hell yes, there are. Anything, are there Q five six sevens? Anything that has a smell to it has terpenes in it. That's alive. Like a fart. Jimmy, how much would you pay to be as yeah, smart as Mike? Apparently so. For like a long period of time or just like five minutes? Oh, fuck you. Forever. Like really? No, I'm trying to think of my timeline. All the time. Ever. Because I'd pay on. like five grand for like 10 minutes or I'd pay like a million dollars for a lifetime. Like give me the time frame. Oh. Forever for the rest. Like all yeah. of a sudden we mm. jump to that IQ. He's Mensa. I would, I would every penny I had in my, in my, in my belongings. Oh, every penny because wow. then I could just make more if I was the smartest. Of. You could just marry me though. Power wow. hashtag power couple, am I right? By the way, everybody, while Mike's bud tender is doing this, Mike is single. And if you would like to date him, <coughs> listen, I don't need what are you, my Tinder personal What's Tinder. it called? A Braxton Hicks, a Briggs Morgan, <coughs> the Myers, Myers Briggs. My, Myers Briggs. So Myers. what you need to do, ladies, is you need to go take the Myers Briggs. That's just step and one. And then email us a PDF of it. And then somebody will get back to you directly. And then uh, figure out what you do if someone showed up at your house with a shovel oh my God. at midnight. 
I still love that one. The ride or die? Yeah. Yeah, be prepared to be ride or die. Do they test for that on the Myers-Briggs? Like how loyal a woman is? They don't. Do they test for how insecure a woman is? Because I feel like you can't date someone who's insecure or not confident with themselves. Sometimes they're insecure because they don't. This is a recipe for like disaster in a relationship. Absolutely. Either way, man or woman. Mike's not a cheater, but Mike's a flirter. Flirter? Actually. Is that a word? Flirter? Yeah, I flirt a little bit. But Mike's not I'm, a flirter. When I'm but with you know a woman, I mean? when I'm with a woman and I'm like really super serious and it's got serious, mm-hmm. I do a lot less of that. He's an oak. Mike's yeah. a serial monogam serial monogamist. I yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a cheater, but I, I date till I find one that I think that can go the distance. I won't say a flirter, I'll say he's, he's charming. Yet. Mike is charming. So that when girls get insecure, like, oh my god. So ladies, if you're ride or die and you know what a red room is. <laughs> And your what do you want them to be on the Myers Briggs an IB two five or I what know, is I'm it? Say that. it? Look, an ENFP Don't is supposed to be a perfect them. match. Yeah. Okay, but you can find so, that on the internet. So cheat but the that, test I and be an true. ENFP. I've been all kinds I get along with. So, Michael, what do you think about leadership? I'm going to read you something and then <clears> tell <throat> me your first thought that comes to your head. Did your bud tender get you taken care of? Yes, he did. Oh, we're past that? Yeah. Let's do oh, one okay. more hit. I want to watch it one more He's time. He's very efficient. Very I want to get Mike do really a, high. Yeah, do a hit, Mike, and then answer this question. Dab it up. Oh, fuck. Right, Dab it up. He's Can we call you Buddy? Freshman. All right, thanks, Gorilla. We'll call him Buddy. From the Snap Brothers. I love that name, Snap Brothers. You know why they call themselves the Snap Brothers? Uh-uh. Because at the end of a bowl, when you're done, and you suck in that last little bit, it goes, Snap. It has a little pop to it. And that is what you want to do. You want to be able to burn a bowl. At least this is what he wants to do. Burn a bowl, smoke the entire bowl, and here it goes snap. You know what I wish? Jamie, can I tell you what I wish? What? I wish I was that passionate about something. You are about bulldogs. Oh, you are. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. And and art and art. I can't tell you like the genetic breakdown of a bulldog. (laughs) Like he can. That's true. Do bulldogs have terpenes? Probably you can smell them. Probably. You can, sure. I want a show um, of hands. How many people in here smoke weed? Well, we know you, Mike. I, All want, right, I right, want everybody why to be. Why ex- don't you pass that around, you that. stingy fucker? Yeah. Okay, here. Take a hint. Not me, then. <laughs> listen. Listen. Give it to baby. Like if anyone wants, they can come up here and grab the ball. One of the ladies, come up here together. and take a hit. A hit. Michael, like they're all, they're come all. Come on, ladies. Scared. One of y'all. I saw one of y'all raise your hands. Get up here. Come all right. Yeah. We have a winner. All right. Blonde, his favorite Blonde. color. <laughs> all right. Pick that up. Mike just got the party started. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. This is what happens on Business Outlaws, you guys. Woo! What a champ. All right. Give her a hand, everybody. Woo! Okay, Mike. Yes. What percentage of leadership? So there's only a hundred percent. What percentage of it are you born with, and what percentage is made according to psychology today? You know what? That's really good. (sighs) Most of it's learned. Uh, Just give me a percentage, bro. I'm gonna say eighty. It says one third is born and two thirds is made. Psychology there you today. Go. Entrepreneurs are undoubtedly leaders, and according to psychology today, leadership is about one third born and two thirds made. Yep. I would agree with that. So I think my uh, first lesson in understanding leadership, and I, I have this little story that I tell about that, but the end of the story and kind of 
to bring it all together is that I, I think I was always a leader. Were you always a leader when you were a kid? Damn good question. I would say yes. I would too, but I would organize things and stuff, but. So yeah. my, my mom used to say, you can always find Chris, you know what, you he's know the one more, in the middle of the nah, kids making a you, kickball you team or whatever. <laughs> more, than, more than leading, I, I probably did my own thing. And You're more of a solo solo leader? I don't want to sound cocky or conceited. It, it just, this is the place to be cocky and conceited. Uh, it's your right. show. This is why this people is are your here. Show. <laughs> Look, I always knew I was a little smarter than all the rest of the kids. I've known cocky. that for a long, long, long Tail time. Tail back a little bit. Well, okay, but it's a, it's a fact. And so I kind of always looked at everybody like... Oh, that's great. Like... They were stupid. No, but they didn't. Slow. Under, they didn't. Uh, they yeah, were just slow. They didn't understand to see Not the world as the handsome. way. They didn't understand and see the world the same way that I did. That it was actually vastly different. And come to find out, it was because of certain things and how I was wired and things my father had taught me. But yeah, I I I never thought that I was smarter than. Actually, I knew I wasn't smarter than everybody else. But I did always think that people's priorities were mixed up and that they weren't paying attention to what was important. Oh, I definitely don't think I'm the smartest guy in the room. And everyone has and knows things that I don't know, and and vice versa. So I'm always listening and learning. But I, I didn't. I always felt like people didn't. But, but how have they conceptualize? Right? It was more like how they conceptualized things, how they saw the world, and I don't know. It just even at that young at a younger age, I understood human nature pretty good for whatever reason when i was younger i thought people were just not as creative as i was like i was like oh this is you know like making up things or fixing things and they were just like oh, i'm like how are you not creative but i'm also in entertainment so it's different i'm not like creating like a multi-million dollar business you know i'm creating entertainment so that makes sense i guess so do, would we kind of like summarize that by saying that you're if you have a real strong unique ability you feel alone when you're younger yeah yeah did you feel alone when you're a kid uh did you talk to yourself when you're a kid fuck yeah yeah me too course, god yeah, <laughs> still do <laughs> i would still talk talking to, to myself well, who, what was I your what was your all the time what was your best imaginary friend's name i don't know oh what? i had a, when i was really young i had this this pet like Teddy, like thing I hope to hang on to. His name was Linus. He was Linus the Lionhearted from I forget some fucking comic. Care Bear. And That's so a Care Bear, I remember I liked him so no much that it was, got so old and ratty. My mother had to like put the old one in the new one and sew it shut. And then I had that one for a while. But you talked to the little guy? Yeah, probably. I don't yeah. really remember. Recall. I had an Ewok from Return of the Jedi. I would talk to like that. Yeah. That's funny. And so. What are you saying? We like had fucked up childhoods and we're scarred because of our lives. No, I don't. Like I don't know. It is what it is, bro. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't care. To, you can judge me. I used to set up my stuff. <laughs> I talked to myself. I'm an INTJ. The I, I was an only child, so I, I talked to myself. You. I try to. I, you want to hear something really embarrassing? You had a, at least you had a brother. I was an only child, so oh, wow. I had nobody to talk to. I used oh. to set up my stuffed animals and dance routines to like Mariah Carey. My brother was in his own world too. What about your what now? But that's perform- <laughs> isn't that performance? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used to set up my stuffed animals in like a row, and I would play like Mariah Carey or whatever, and I would oh, wow. make a dance routine. In you front were an of entertainer way back then. Yeah. You wanted to okay. All right. So, Michael, what was your first memory of leadership? Oh, man, the red room. <laughs> oh God, no. That's a. I don't know. It's a relatively new <laughs> thing. I don't know. Cub he Scouts. He might have had an old like, red room. Like Cub Scouts. I don't know. Doing projects and having teams. You know, I don't know. That's probably back then. There's nothing specific that stands out to no. you. No. What about no. you, Chris? 
so I got this job when I was like 17 and a half as a lot attendant in a car dealership, you know, just to pay band rent and buy cymbals and drumsticks because you go through drumsticks when you hit as hard as I did on the drums. And, you know, I don't, I came from a background where showing up on time and working hard and giving people more than they paid you for was a part of it. So even though I was in a band and I had long hair and if you, you know, saw me from across the street, you might think I didn't have a work ethic. I worked very hard as a lot attendant and it didn't take long. All of a sudden I was in charge of all the lot attendants. And so my very first lesson was when I was anointed manager of the detailers and the lot attendants, one of, well, a couple of them came to me and asked me if they could leave early. And then all of a sudden, somehow in my great calculation of how this is going to work out, I was the only one there <laughs> with all these cars to pull up for customers. And I remember like a couple of weeks after that, like everybody was my friend before that. So we were all friends in the wash rack and we, we now all of a sudden I was a friend, but I was a boss. And I remember like very distinctly a couple of weeks in deciding that I was that I was going to be the boss and do the right thing by the company, not by my friends because it was affecting me. Like if there wasn't order and I didn't have rules and I didn't make people show up on time and do what they're supposed to do, it made my life miserable and it wasn't scalable or effective. And that's my biggest, me like that's my first memory of understanding what leadership really was. Cause I was going against all my friends. So one day they're my friends, the next day I'm their boss and now all of a sudden you have this like juggle that you have to do. And that was a important lesson because you're their peer one day and you're their boss the next. And now that you mentioned that story, I can think back when I was 19, I started a business called Turf Pro. Uh, I fertilized grass like Kemlon did and, you know, made the grass green, kill the weeds and kill all the fungus and shit. Anyways. Um, and I had, a, I had some friends from, from high school and they wanted a sales job. So I gave it to them and almost, Verbatim, like you said, I realized that I was now in charge of them and the relationship had changed. And mm. that probably, so that shift when I realized what, you know, I had to be a leader and take charge and tell them what to do or they weren't going to do it, uh, was when I was 19. I started Turp Pro. So yeah. in, in that realization for me was, even though I was a natural leader and my mom would say, hey, if you want to find Chris, he's the one in the center of the group, you know, organizing a kickball game or whatever. Leadership was a decision. To me, that was a huge decision because I was betraying my friends. I was reinventing myself at the same time. And it was a decision. And I like to say, like, if you're a leader, you raise your hand and you say, okay, I'm the leader. I'm the one to follow. I'm, you know, I'll take the responsibility. Because once you decide you're the leader and you raise your hand, now it's everything's your fault. Everybody below you is your fault. The good, the bad, the outcome is yours and yours alone. So you can't blame the, you know, the people below you or the people that are reporting to you. The ultimate outcome is, is your responsibility. So you have to decide to do that because it's not a light thing. Right. So you have to take ownership. So yeah. when you're a leader, one of the things that you must do to be a great leader is own it. Like it's yours. Like literally it's your baby, your house. Look at it that way. Now, the best book I've read in leadership in a while is the one by Jocko. I agree. I love, I love that book. It's called Extreme Ownership, I believe. That's correct. But the thing, the biggest takeaway from that book for me is that 
in business, nobody dies. For when you're running the Navy SEALs or you're, uh, Jocko, you know, the guy who leader. wrote the book was a leader in the Navy SEALs. Yeah. Okay. So, and he, um, you know, over in the in the Middle East, not not just like when we invaded, a team leader like he oversaw all the teams there, and he came oh. up with a strategy that reported directly to the Pentagon. Yeah, you know, hanging out with Jocko a couple times, one cool thing that he did is he eventually became the he was in charge of training for all the Navy SEALs, and he used to come up to Hollywood and get the guys who create sets, mm-hmm. and he would create sets where they would go into a house and there'd be a body cut in half. And so he ran me through this scenario. And they can do that because they almost have an unlimited budget to do whatever they want to train our guys the best. By the mm-hmm. way, our guys are the best in the world. Yeah, I mean, he created these crazy scenarios, but that you know, if you're if you want to work on your leadership skills, that book, the biggest takeaway for me was that they die. People die if you don't take it seriously and, you know, owning the end result. Jocko makes a really good point in the first couple chapters about how it's all your responsibility and blaming other people is never going to make you a better leader or get, you know, create any kind of improvement. Yeah. Damn. Damn. <laughs> what? Just the whole story. The Navy SEAL way. It's crazy. How they, by the way. The body. And here's the thing set. that I found in business, that guys who are ex-athletes or were in the military, and especially if they're special forces, mm-hmm. are the best leaders. These guys understand it because they're taught leadership at such a high level because life and death is at stake. Yeah. It's like no other leadership in the world. So I, I would say that that owning the end outcome and owning all of the responsibility is the most important trait of a leader, but you're going to get nowhere by saying it was their fault. This happened. Any sort of an excuse. If you if you allow yourself to say the excuse, you're not learning the lesson, right? It's okay to fail, but what did you learn and what could you have done different as a leader to, you know, to change that? I have a, uh, an analogy that I that I give in this situation when I'm talking in groups about, you know, I was married for 13 years, and in the end, Damn. my uh, Satan, my ex-wife, cheated on me and filed for divorce without me knowing, and was doing funny stuff with money, and you know, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. And if I tell anybody that story, they're like, "Oh, what a bitch!" You know, her, but um. If that was the dialogue and that was the narrative that I allowed, mm-hmm. I would never get better and I would carry all that to my next relationship. And so, you know, after I kind of went through some pain, I said, you know what, this is 100% my fault. And then when I said it was 100% my fault, then things started coming to me that I had done. And in the end, I could make a pretty good case for you right now that that divorce was 100% my fault and wasn't hers because I did things that contributed to that and allowed that to happen. And so it's very easy to take the, the path of it's everybody else and I'm the victim, but you will never be a good leader. You will never become better personally mm-hmm. if you don't own the result. And it, there's very few people today that will own the result and and not blame others. But the key to being a good entrepreneur and a good leader is it's a hundred percent your responsibility and responsibility. You can make excuses or you can get shit done, but you cannot do both. And that goes to leadership, especially to leadership. Exactly what Chris was just saying. What a great lesson though. 
that was given to you, you know? That Satan cheated on me? No, but that, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because I, I would not wish that that happened to anybody, but I'm saying the way you handled it and then you found the blessing in the lesson, you know, you were like, oh, I, you found a way to basically, you know, problem solve that business situation and how you could have avoided it. And then now you're carrying that into your next relationship, the things you're not going to do so you won't get the same outcome. Yeah. That's it's the only a, way I'm going to get better. Yeah. I mean, and, I think that's just a really mature and business way to look at it, you know? Like, instead of you being like, oh, poor me, life's so hard. You're like, well, that fucking sucked. But, like, what could I have done to make that better? And what can I do to change the future? And exactly. Yeah, and if I'm the man in, the in that relationship, yeah. then that was my outcome. Yeah. If, if I was, you know, the leader in that, yeah. it was my fault. Cool. Then the next one, or do you want to add anything to that? Or. Is that no, good? That's good, that's good? The next one I would say that I see in leadership and something that Mike's really good at is the little stuff matters. Oh, the details <clears throat> matter. And as a leader, you have to exaggerate the details. I was watching a documentary, a new one out that's called Bill and Bill with Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells and their relationship because they work together and won a bunch of Super Bowls together <laughs> with the Giants. And um, one of the things that, that Bill Belichick says in there is what we would do is we would make a huge deal. Like it was the end of the world when there were little mistakes, like the tucked in uniforms, like the little things. Because believe it or not, tucking in your uniform and showing up on time has more to do with how they play on the field than anything else. And the little things matter. Showing up on time, the way you look, the attention to detail, the trash on the floor, the way we answer the phone, our tone, all of that matters. And if you can't pay attention to that and you can't fix that, the big stuff is never going to happen. It's like structure. Right. You're so, yeah. structure. So at my events, I, I throw these pretty crazy wild parties, a thousand people show up. Uh, well, tell us more about that. They're you fucking know, awesome. Right, they are. Legendary. Right. I I watch and then the he outside early. toilets. I, was, I didn't leave. I was, I was Leaves a, them I was wanting a, more. Jamie said he left party. early. While the Mike, fucking yeah. SWAT team shows up. Jamie's like, there. She's yeah. like, I'm ready to party. Oh, Where's Mike? Listen, oh, he left his listen, own party. When those cops came, I was in the house. No, you were there. I no, stood right no, next to you and you waved yeah. at the SWAT team. I was interviewing right, Big Mike were. at the Halloween party and we're talking and there's like the fucking mayor behind him and like all these people and I'm like, blah, blah, blah and these huge spotlights from the sky and they're the fucking like SWAT team, like the LAPD and Mike just waves and goes, okay, hey guys, carry on. This is fine. Yeah. We were just like, oh, okay. So during those- SWAT team walks in and Mike's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so it's fine. for being a ghost, I check the washrooms a lot and that's one of the things I watch. I, I make sure the washrooms- how clean are they? Because mm -hmm. I know if they're doing that, they're doing the rest of the stuff well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That matters. Yeah, it's true. And so you have to accept, if you're going to accept ownership as a leader, you have to get past the idea that this thing is easy because it's virtually impossible. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's an art that you're going to constantly try to improve on, but you're never going to put your feet up on the desk mm -hmm. and say, oh, I won life as a leader. Yeah. I'm the best leader there ever was. It's mm -hmm. never going to happen because there's always a challenge in front of you. And there, you know, every day is a new opportunity and things are always changing. So you're never going to arrive. It's a constant battle and you have to wake up every day to hunt mm -hmm. and to fight, but nobody's going to hand it to you and it's never going to be easy. And you will get to the point when it is easy, you almost feel like something went wrong. Yeah. Don't you get paranoid when things are easy? Yeah, I do. 
Yeah. Like, Nothing makes me more paranoid it, it, than like when things go right. Because you're like, smooth. where's the other shoe going to drop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And then eventually you get used to things running right. And it's like, okay, I can relax now. And it's really hard to do at first. Yeah. I'm so better at it. When, and when you talk about the red room and all that crazy kinky shit Mike does, right. the thing that I've kind of I've come to realize yeah, about added, both of us. It's added, added value to the relationship. It's like yes, a great spice. The plus 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 a, uh, gourmet meal. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that Did you I've, just wait wait wait. Did you just compare the red room to a great gourmet meal? Oh yeah. <laughs> the spice, like the, the thing, the sauce Beef that makes it special. Yeah. He's like, yes. you know, those mashed potatoes. You have that garlic. That's red room right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's red room. That's <laughs> what was I saying? Oh my god. Oh. That's great. So to that point, though, is when things go right, you you get a little paranoid. You become (laughs) mentally sadistic after a while as a leader. You want things to be hard. In fact, the harder they are, the more you enjoy the challenge, even if it seems impossible. And the outcome. Except the, the, you know, that it's sadistic. Like you're asking for more responsibility, more pain, more challenge, more effort. You're asking for that to be the best leader and that you your, can be. As your company grows, so does all of that gets compounded. It doesn't get any easier. There, Some things get a lot easier. And yeah. then there's other things that are these huge like challenges, big ones. Yeah. So yeah. don't you feel like you're mentally sadistic with that stuff? <laughs> a bit. A, a bit. And I, yeah, actually I am. You know why? Because one of the things that people will find out about me if they spend enough time around me is that I like challenges. Everything's a puzzle to me. So um, I will put myself in situations business-wise and push myself into a corner because that's what I work best at. Oh, fuck. But that's where the fun is. Yeah. Mike's sadistic. (laughs) And also, I'm very comfortable being there. Yeah. Yeah, you're more comfortable being there than I am. You like, man, cojones. And I do just want to. I want to find print. Oh man, Mike has. If you don't know about Big Mike, he has gone through everything in his life. So when he does talk, it comes from the heart. And if he does get choked up, it's because he's been through everything you can think of. Just a little fine print. Unless people think you're just crying for my beauty, <laughs> they am. just think that you look at me. And you're like, oh my gosh, she's so she, beautiful. She's so I get so beautiful. choked up. You just, I, I it do. could be both. It's both. It could be both. <laughs> it could be both. It's the extensions. It really just it just tearjerker. <laughs> the next one that I would say is that you create an outcome, and so great leaders. Focus on the outcome and the result, not the feelings and not the politics. So politics and feelings are going to lead you to complacency and average. If if you want to really achieve something, it's the result, not how you feel about it. It's the result. So really getting the culture of your company and your team to be about performance, not to be about how everybody feels. Because you can have a bunch of people in a room that can talk about how they're miserable, how they're happy, but nothing is, there's no outcome in that. What you want is a culture where you're talking about the result. And you can tell when I go into a business, I don't have to be there more than a half an hour and I can tell you what the company is making without even looking at the financial statement by how they're talking. Like I, a couple of years ago, I had the challenge of fixing a company that was losing about $80,000 a month. 
And I went in there and I was doing my research and I was there for over a month. How many people, Michael, do you think were talking about profit and performance in that period of time? Probably all bitching at each other about who's doing what and, and complaining and not looking at the things and concentrating on the mission. It's always about the mission and getting to the goal. And people, put your ego away and get to the fucking goal. Mm -hmm. That's your mission. Not bitching, not complaining. Now, I don't know the answer. What was the answer? Exactly what you said. Nobody was talking about it. They were all surprised that they were losing money. They thought they were no. making money. Mm -hmm. And so a good leader has, you know, not only do you have people talking about, about the right thing, but you enlist your team to help you. And if you don't, you know, as soon as I told everybody we're losing money and what should we do? Everybody's like, oh, well, let's come up with a plan. <laughs> and it wasn't like the people there were stupid or they, they weren't talented. It was that the leader there hadn't enlisted them, hadn't shared with them, hadn't used the talent that was in front of them and, and harnessed it in the right and way. didn't shift the focus. Mm -hmm. what are, what's everyone focused on? That's what you have to look at, look at because you want people to focus on whatever it is. If you're selling something, uh, you're pitching something, and believe me, we're selling all day long, whether you like it or not. You're convincing your friend or your spouse to go to this place or that place <laughs> or this nightclub or that nightclub and to pick you up at 6 instead of 5.30. We are always selling our agenda to everyone all day long. So I, I have learned that people tell you who they are all the time, and you're telling yourself who you are all the time and it's the same in business so if you're waking up every day and you're telling yourself nothing then you're probably going to be average or nothing if you're telling yourself i can accomplish things you're visualizing big things you're trying to figure it out then that's what's going to happen if you're telling yourself i'm a loser and i'm not any good and i'm not worthy then that's what's going to happen and it's the same in business so the best leaders create a culture where people are talking about how they can improve the customer experience, how they can improve the bottom line, and that's the dialogue. They're telling you who they are when they open their mouth. The conversations that happen at the water cooler or the conversations that happen during a meeting in the business are telling you who they are. And so a good leader creates an environment where you're talking about performance and talking about the customer experience. Clear. There's two things that are important in business, the customer experience and the bottom line. And that's basically yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a clear and concise picture to give your team Yeah, and let them focus on what is important and shift that focus and make sure they're riveted on it and locked on it like, like a laser beam. And they're locked on it because the picture is so clear. You have to be like, really remedial to not understand what that picture is and what the goal is. The next one, which is something that Mike is really, really good at is the best leaders are people collectors. Yes. So tell us your, your thoughts and your system for collecting all this talent you've collected. Well, I, I read a book once by it's how to get rich by Dennis Felix. And he's a guy who's a billionaire now. And my biggest takeaway in the book was he built all these billion-dollar companies, and he said, I'm not the best at anything. He goes, but I am good at one thing, and that is a talent for spotting talent, and that is what I have developed and gotten good at. And so when I see a potential team member anywhere, anywhere, I will engage them yeah. and steal them. This is true. And, and pay them. 
pay them. And like, make them I've feel seen respected. Mike give a, a give yeah. somebody a car to come work for him. Yeah. Like he he will once he locks on to somebody, and that's a missing piece in something in the bigger picture, the grand strategy that he has. He he will figure out how to get them um, yeah. and pay them. Like you got to pay the good ones too. Like, and make oh, them yeah. feel appreciated. You, you make yeah. them feel appreciated. That's the biggest thing too. You know. The great ones are self-starters, self-motivated. You don't yeah. really have to do too much. Just point them in the right direction, clear picture. And then the kind of the last one I had on here is that, that you know, it's you're never you've never arrived. Great leaders have never arrived. They're always looking for the next challenge. And they're always learning and discovering and ask like a lot that. of questions and they're curious. What do you what would you say, Mike, is the the books besides the Felix one and the Jocko one, what other books for leadership or courses? Again, like Psychocybernetics by Maxwell Malt. Yeah, that's a good one. Because leadership is is also understanding your own brain, what motivates you. You have to, you're the guy who has to get or girl has to get all that head trash out of the way, clear it out, and be able to move the team forward. And you have to have, look, you have to be sold first on anything before you can have your team sold on it. So you have to go through a process of being able to sell yourself and understand that this is a great product or service that I'm bringing out and it's actually going to help society and help people. And once you do that, it's pretty easy. Yeah, that's good. So I, th I think there's kind of three parts to leadership as an entrepreneur that you have to work on each part and make each part its own kind of art form in, in your toolbox. And the first one is there's the leadership of yourself. So you have to be a good leader of yourself. If you can't lead yourself, discipline yourself, you know, cre create somebody that people want to follow, then you're going to have a hard time being a leader. The second one is leading people. So leading people is an art form in and of itself. There's a lot of people that can do the, now the third one, which is leading a business and financials and pricing strategies and grand strategies and consumption plans and leading a business. There's people that are good at leading a business, but aren't good at leading people. And so it's rare that somebody's good at all three, that they can lead themselves, lead people and lead a business. Most of the time, you're kind of one or the other, but it's hard to be all three. Yes, it is. Wouldn't you say that it's easier to lead people if you can lead yourself? Yeah. Yeah, because if you can't do that, then you, there's no foundation. But the, a lot of the leaders that are good at leading people become team, you know, they say like he's a player's coach. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be a player's coach and get right. people to follow you because – you know, it's easy to get people to have the same problems you have, the same beliefs you do, but to create a customer experience and profitability to the bottom line and understand marketing and complicated pricing strategies and how to move people from one place to another in your, you know, your plan or your good, better, best when you're trying to sell them is a completely different art than leading people. So mm -hmm. they are two completely separate skills. Correct. Should I recap? Yeah. Okay. So the first one is that you got to decide to be a leader. You got to raise your hand and say, I'm, you know, I'm the leader. And then the little stuff matters. You got to exaggerate the little details. By the way, it's the small stuff that people remember. They expect the large strokes that, that are going to be done. They go, yeah, that's expected. 
it's always the littlest, niggliest thing that you could possibly think that people go, wow, they thought of that. Mm-hmm. That's where you got them. And then they go back and they tell their friends and they talk about you. That's what that's what you want to do. You want to give people such a great experience. They cannot help but talk about what you've done. That is the Disney model. That's why they do so well. Their number one thing is word of mouth advertising. Betty from Nebraska goes there, has a great, great experience. Wow, the streets were so clean and everything was perfect and everything. The food tasted good and it was just a wonderful experience because they had every little detail thought of. And if you don't think that Disney does this, you're incorrect. They have a school called Disney Institute. Anyone can go to it and you can learn. They teach you how they do what they do. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 very, very fascinating. They know if someone moves a sucker stand on the counter two or three hours later, they know by the sales drop that that thing was moved. And they go back in, they look at the counter, and they put it back in the spot, the exact spot. You cannot move it from that spot because it's been tested. They know that's where maximum profitability is, how they run everything. The experience is all done exactly the same way. Very few people and companies on this planet operate at that level but that's what you want to achieve it's exactly about the experience the little stuff yep and you have to embrace complexity if you want to be that good yes because you you really do have to (laughs) embrace complexity because there's a lot of a lot of layers to it the next one was be sadistic like you want more challenges you you want to constantly improve then the next one was it's about the outcome not your feelings and culture, you have to create a culture that's about outcomes. And then you're a people collector. And then you're always learning. You never stop learning. Which, yeah, we're still learning, right, bro? Every day. If I don't learn something new every day, it's because I wasn't paying attention. You guys learn doing like this? Yeah. Oh, God, I, I do. Like I learn I from s- what stuff he's saying. Are you kidding me? I know. Yeah, I walk absolutely. away every time we do these, and I'm just like, oh, man, I feel so inspired. I, I feel so this. motivated. And you know what? It reminds me of things that I probably should be doing that I haven't thought about in a while, too. Yeah. i got to start digging in there. Well, so it's interesting it's for me being on this side of the table, because I watch both of you guys, and I just yeah. see these fucking light bulbs. You guys have, like, fireflies around your head every time I do this, and I'm like, man, that's so cool. You guys are, like, teaching people, but you're also teaching yourself right now. It's cool. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's cool. It's good. One thing that I left out that I was thinking when you were saying that is the little stuff. Mm-hmm. Is I don't know if it's a tipping point or what book, but he's talking about how Giuliani fixed New York yeah. when it was so uh, kind of broken windows. Yeah, exactly. Wrote part, the point. Jaywalking. Yeah. They started writing jaywalking tickets because yeah. people were like, man, it's so tight in New York. If you get a jaywalking ticket, you're not going to go there and murder somebody. So murders went down when they started writing jaywalking tickets. So the little stuff oh, does yeah. matter. And neighborhoods were, were able to come back and be re- renovated because they started fixing all the broken windows. Wow. People felt started feeling better about the environment that they were in and treating it with more respect. Paying attention to detail. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Little stuff matters. You got to exaggerate it. Make a big deal. Great leaders understand that. That's it, Jamie. We're done. Can you, can Finished. You know? It's heavy. I'm Cheetos. like chewing on this. Cheetos. You got me all emotional and shit. <laughs> my favorite thing uh, it really is genuinely you, go ahead get him emotional again before we go no 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 because i can't not, spark it's gotta it go in. Yeah, has to be gotta, genuine yeah it, it's it has gotta to come hit, from it's somewhere it's gotta hit some some shit i'll ask come. him a question <laughs> don't start no because then i'll get emotional it's gonna be real weird it's gonna get real everybody wants laughing. to see it right don't you guys want no, to see jamie no, cry no, no. 
See, don't, the whole room's silent. Nobody That's said right. yes. Right. <laughs> nobody. Thank you. I appreciate this audience. <laughs> they got your kind. back. Yeah. They're probably just all contact high. They have no clue what we're saying right now. Yeah. By the um, way, mine are always tears of happiness because I've gone through the pain and yeah. got on the other side. It's tears of accomplishment. Yep. Yeah. I, f- I told you. I'm genuinely, I love it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yes, he's doing it. Because yeah. it's coming from a real place. She's got me started um, already. Yep. See? All right, guys, Business Outlaws, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, follow us on Instagram. Chris Collins, Big Mike, Jamie Foxx, we're out.